Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler from the great state of North Carolina with your co-host, Tim Bench from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Corder from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of Georgia, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you are tuning into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. We would ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a call at Stevie B's Mid-Production at the Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks. Get out your Bibles and study along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving Heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we're prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, as he breaks unto our listeners the bread of life, and also my co-host, Tim Bent, as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We just pray that you will bless them and their families as they continue to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you would bless our listeners who are tuning in this broadcast via Blog Talk Radio, as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well, and that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul's salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us in love with all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful unto death. Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the broadcast. Our speaker for the show this evening is Dr. Frank Washington. He serves with the West Broward Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And my co-host, Tim Bench, he serves with the Oham Lane Church of Christ there in Abilene, Texas. He'll be answering our shouted out question on the broadcast today. We'll just have one speaker on the show this evening. So open up your Bibles now and open your minds. And let's have a great show. After the break, the next one you hear be that of my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, and his subject, Radical Discipleship. Thank you, Brother Stevie. Um, I do appreciate you allowing me this opportunity and venue uh, to express my faith uh, in Jesus Christ. I really pray much for you and uh, your program and your message and your format and pray that all things go well uh, with you and uh, may you keep up the good work uh, that God has called you to do. Thank you very much. 
The one ingredient, in, in my opinion, the one ingredient missing in many of today's churches is what I want to call radical discipleship. This is nothing new. This term is not a new term. But radical discipleship was the norm for the early Christians. So, Doc, what is radical discipleship? Well, radical discipleship is allowing every facet of our lives, every facet of one's life, to be shaped by the life of Jesus. We should want to live the character that Jesus lived. It's more than, you know, being a member of a certain of a class or being in a new convert class or attending worship or even, you know, giving. A radical discipleship is to walk and to talk and act like Jesus. Radical discipleship is of such a nature that if we even come close to it in our daily walk and in our daily lives, you will find that others will want to know what we have that they don't have, which opens the door for us as believers in Jesus Christ to share our faith. So radical discipleship is both father and mother to any authentic and that leaves a lot of our churches lacking. So I want to, the focus of the lesson today is based on Mark 9, 43 uh, through 50. And you will discover Jesus calling his followers to radical discipleship, which calls for radical purity in their life. Now, again, Radical discipleship calls for radical purity. So following Jesus means, honestly, dealing with the sin in our lives. As a believer, you must confront the belief and you have to confront the behaviors in our life that dishonor God and others. But today, tonight, we're going to take a look at something Jesus said about following him and purity. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 9 and verse number 38 says, uh, in the New uh, Living Translation, John says to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. That verse can give you a lot of sense of pause if you, but let's keep moving. Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who's not against us is for us. If anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown in the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. If you, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fire of hell with two hands. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. So for everyone who will be tested by fire, salt is good for seasoning. But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. Radical discipleship calls for radical purity. 
as a follower of Jesus, you don't want to take sin in your life lightly. If the doctor told you you had cancer, then you would uh, probably take very drastic measures to fight that cancer and remove it. Jesus wants you and I to take that same approach to the sin in our life. We're told in John, 1 John 1 and verse number 8, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. We all have sin in our lives, and Jesus wants us to take the sin in our lives seriously. So when you start dealing with the sin in your life, you're answering the call to purity. Jesus is not wanting us to simply clean the surface, but to do a deep cleaning in our lives. In our home, in my house, uh, we have a vacuum cleaner. We have, you know, several rugs in the house. And we have this vacuum cleaner that when it sucks the dirt off the carpet, you see it go into a cylinder as you're vacuuming. Now, when it gets full, you take it out, you dump it, and you keep going. But We also have this vacuum that uses water and chemicals. Now, this thing will pull junk up that's nasty from from deeper within the carpet. And that, my friends, is, is, is what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus wants us to go deeper and deal with the junk in our lives that we can't see, that's hidden. He's calling his people. He's calling you and I. All of you who are listening uh, tonight, he is calling us, you and me, to a deeper level of purity. And so Jesus gives us some wisdom and insight on dealing with the sin in our lives and pursuing purity in Mark chapter 9. So let's unpack and apply this lesson for today. First off, radical purity involves commitment. Radical purity involves commitment. Radical purity calls for extreme commitment. It involves intense dedication. Jesus wants his followers to deal radically with anything that's sin in their lives. Jesus said in verse number 43, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two, two feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown uh, into hell. So before we get too deep into this, you you and I, or, or you who are listening tonight, need to understand that Jesus was using hyperbolic language. This is a figurative language technique where exaggeration is used to create a stronger effect, something that you can relate to. And we do this all the time, even today. For example, anybody here ever said, I'm so hungry I can eat a horse? Or said something like, "Um, you're killing me with this whatever it might be. Um, Or you may have said to your kids one day while you're watching a football game, if you change that channel one more time, I'm going to break every one of your fingers. Or it's raining cats and dogs. Um, Here's another one. I would love to have that, but it will cost me an arm and a leg. I hope you get the idea of what I'm trying to do here. Jesus is doing the same thing here in his hyperbolic language, this figurative language. Jesus is not, repeat, Jesus is not telling us to mutilate the body. He is not saying we should actually and physically remove a foot, cut off a hand, or poke your eyeballs out. A person with one eye, one foot, or one hand can just as easily sin as somebody with two feet, two hands, and both eyes. So Jesus is making a very significant point about the kind of attitude we as believers and Christians have toward the sin in our lives. Now, Jesus knows that it's not your eye, it's not your foot or your hand that's the problem. Jesus knows it's your heart. 
there's a problem on the inside. And, and if you go back to Mark chapter 7 and verse 20, Jesus said, it is what comes from the inside that defiles you. And in verse 21, for from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil, thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Then in James chapter 1, verse 14, we're told temptation comes from our own desires, which entangle us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful action. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Jesus knows that the hand, the foot, the eye, that's not the real problem here. Jesus knows it's a heart problem. And his point is about you and I approaching and dealing with the sinful actions in our life. This hand, foot, and eye all represent something. The hand represents purity in what you do. The hand represents what you do. Jesus is calling you to radical discipleship that calls for radical purity in what you do. Jesus is saying remove some of the things you are doing that place temptation in front of you. Remove that temptation. Stop watching certain TV channels. Stop watching HBO channels. Uh, stop listening to certain music. Those things that will uh, bring temptation or, or, or bring that sin out of you. Stop watching it. It's easy. Change the channel. Turn it off. That's the hand, purity in what you do. Next, we have the foot. There's purity in where you go. Foot represents where you go. Jesus is calling you and I to radical discipleship that calls for radical purity in where we go. Jesus is saying, stop going to some of the places or hanging out in some of the places or hanging around some people that cause you and I to walk into sin. Jesus says, remove that temptation. So the hand represents purity in what you do. The foot represents purity in where you go. Then the eye represents the purity in what you see. The eye represents what you see. Jesus is calling you to radical discipleship that calls for radical purity in how we see things. Jesus is saying remove easy access from sinful things you don't need to see that will lead you into sin. Remove again the temptation, the thing, the hand, the foot, the eye, all of it. He says remove those things that will cause the temptation. He said, Jesus is saying, he's saying, he's saying, Washington, Frank, deal seriously with the gateway that lead you into sin. That's right. Deal seriously with the gateways that lead you into sin. As a believer, you are in a battle against sin and the selfishness in, our, in your life. Jesus is calling you and I today, tonight, to a deep commitment to purity in our lives, a purity that honors God and honors others. And this, my friend, is called radical discipleship. So first of all, we looked at radical purity involves commitment. Number two, radical purity brings into the open or announces your salvation. Radical purity reveals or announces that you are saved. Well, how does that happen? Jesus says it's better to take drastic measures to be pure than to go into unquenchable fires of hell or to be thrown into hell where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. So what's Jesus saying here? Well, here's what I'm going to say to you. And then I'm going to explain it. Jesus is, Jesus is saying here that if there is no battle against the sin in your life, that's an indication you don't have eternal life. When you are born again or when you were born again and became a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit moved into your life. 
that not only did it move into your life, it began a lifelong transformation that leads you away from sin. So you now love God and want to please him by obeying him. And this doesn't mean that you're perfect and you will never sin. Don't ever think that. It means that your hatred towards sin in your life is becoming stronger and stronger. And one of the indications that you are a believer is that you are concerned about the sin in your life and you are fighting it. Ephesians 5.25 says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, every part of our lives. This includes every area of your hand, your foot, your eye, what you do, where you go, and what you see. Psalms 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here he's saying, God, I want to know what's right and what's wrong, what honors you and dishonors you, so I can do what pleases you. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse number 23, all who love me will do what I say. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. So when you love Jesus, you want to obey Jesus. And so radical discipleship calls for purity, which gives evidence of your salvation. Now, the very fact that you are aware of the sin in your life, in my life, and you are addressing it with determination is a sign that you are a radical disciple of Jesus Christ. This battle with sin is normal, and we should expect it. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or our spirit. And let us work, watch that, let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Then later on in Philippians chapter 4, he says, fix your thoughts. Amen. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So keep putting into practice all that you learn, all that you study, all that you receive from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace. It is only when you, put, when you do all these things, then the God of peace will be with you. So the very fact that you're doing these things gives evidence of your salvation. So those who are committed to following Jesus don't have to worry about the unquenchable fires of hell and where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. Radical discipleship that involves radical purity announces your salvation, involves commitment to radical purity, announces that you are saved. And then number three, radical purity brings into existence spiritual maturity. Radical purity produces or brings into existence spiritual maturity. Now, this answers the question, why should I be so intense about fighting the sin in my life? Well, it produces spiritual maturity, depth, and influence. Jesus said it this way, beginning in verse number 49, for everyone will be tested with fire. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. Now, let's break this down into little bite-sized pieces. Radical purity produces growth. Jesus says, for everyone uh, will be tested with fire. The literal translation says, everyone will be salted with fire. Many translations uh, word it that way. The phrase salted with fire was common to them. They understood that, but not to us. So what does it mean? That phrase combines two things, salt and fire. And these two elements were both used in the Old Testament sacrifices many times, Ezra 6 and 9, Ezekiel 43, uh, Leviticus 2 and 13. 
The salt was used to preserve things so that it would last. The salt represents endurance, perseverance, and faithfulness. On the other hand, the fire was used to burn various sacrifices. So when an offering or sacrifice was burnt, it symbolized complete devotion. You are giving it to the Lord with no way to take it back. That's what it means. You are giving it to the Lord with no way to take it back. So the fire came to represent sacrifice and suffering. So when you put the two together, salt and fire, you have faithfulness and you have sacrifice. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying your faithfulness will be tested over time by sacrifice and suffering that comes from your dedication to radical discipleship that pursues purity in your life. When you pursue purity for God's glory in your life, you'll be tested, and you'll have to sacrifice some things in your life. There's no way around it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Over time, your faith and spiritual maturity increases and deepens. Paul put it this way. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Listen, my friends, you will be tested. If there's anybody out there other than me that's tested, just say amen. But not only will you and I be tested, but the test is to produce not negativity in our lives, not doubt that God is real. The test is to produce growth intensity in your life, growth and intensity or depth in your life. James puts it another way in James chapter 1. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Hold on. Pull the reins now. What do you mean when trouble comes my way? Consider it an opportunity for great joy. How can you have joy when you're in the midst of trouble? Well, he tells us. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You will be, is to produce growth and intensity in our lives. Amen. So radical purity not only produces growth, it also produces influence. A radical commitment to purity will help you grow. It produces influence. Purity is victory over the sin in our lives. So when you're pursuing purity, you are pursuing victory. Let me say that again. When you are pursuing purity, you are pursuing, this is why radical purity produces influence. Other folk will see your purity, and those areas of victory make Jesus attractive to others. So you become an influencer for the kingdom of God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? You become an influencer for the kingdom of God. Jesus says, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves. Jesus just used salt as a preserving agent. Now he's using it as a flavoring agent. So whether you like it or not, salt makes things taste better. Now, too much salt, we'll get into that another time, but salt makes things taste better. Potato chips taste better with salt. Lay's potato chips, you can't eat but one, but don't eat too many. Popcorn tastes better. French fries, which I don't eat, taste better with salt. Salt is good for seasoning. It adds flavor, and sometimes it brings out the taste better of whatever that salt is touching. 
And so the purity in our lives or in your life bring out the flavor of Christ in your life. It gives your life spiritual seasoning. Jesus said you must have the qualities of salt among yourselves. Now, this is not something new that Jesus is teaching. He has already told them back in Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth. Salt preserves and brings out the taste. Jesus is saying that your purity will do the same. So radical discipleship produces radical purity that influences and impacts the world around you. Who are you impacting today? Are you impacting? Are you an influencer at your job? Are you an influencer at home? Are you an influencer anywhere you go? Well, if not, then you need to check your salt intake, all right? So radical purity produces growth. Radical, uh, radical purity produces influence. And finally, radical purity produces peace. When Jesus finishes uh, this section by saying live in peace with each other, to live in peace with others calls for radical discipleship. Radical discipleship means you focus on your sin more than others. You change your life for others. You are faithful and sacrificial for the long haul. You pursue purity in order to influence and deepen your walk with God. And as a result, you can live in peace with other folk. Finally, Jesus is calling you tonight to be radical in following him. Jesus is not interested in you simply being interested in him. Jesus is calling for 100% commitment. He's calling for the 100, the 100%. He wants you all in. Can you be all in for Jesus? If you can be all in for Jesus, just say amen. Following Jesus means dying to yourself daily. It means taking up your cross every morning for the kingdom of God. It means sacrifice, dedication, perseverance, endurance, willingness to go through valleys and trials for God's glory and the benefit of others. Well, I hope this lesson helped you tonight, and I want you to stay uh, in God's grip. So be safe. Uh, wear your mask. Please wear your mask. Get your vaccinations. Get your boosters. And I hope God will be with you. And may the Holy Spirit be with you. May God bless you. And may he bless you real good. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific need. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. i 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out, question. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform called Shout It Out. And we want to pose this question to my co host, Tim Bench. He serves with Oham Lane Church of Christ there in Abilene, Texas. Tim, how you doing this evening? Hello, Stevie. Now, this is a doozy that I have for you. This question is from an anonymous queries from the state of New York. And the question is, how is a person supposed to know which is the right church when there are just so many? What say you to this question? 
Stevie, this is an excellent question that I think all of us at one point or another need to ask ourselves, and I want to thank the listener for submitting this. And here's my answer. I would suggest that the best way to ascertain which of the hundreds of modern churches and denominations today is the right church is to simply apply what the New Testament says about worship and to let the gospel be our guide. For example, we know from Scripture that baptism for the remission of sins is a necessity for our salvation. We see that in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Mark 16, 15 and 16, 1 Peter 3, 21, and so on. Does a church promote baptism properly? And if it does not, then we can know that this specific church is not following after New Testament parameters and therefore it is not the right church that we should be seeking. Does a church promote unscriptural doctrines such as praying to Mary, or does a church have women elders, or does a church have a leader who claims to have direct revelations from God which run counter to what the gospel teaches? There are many tests, so to speak, that we can run in order to gauge how biblical a church might be or might not be, and as we sift through and begin to to discover certain tenets which run counter to the New Testament model, we can and we should discard those churches that uphold those. And one final point, but one that I think is extremely important, a generation ago people could drive down the street and people could see a sign on the door of a church which designated that it was Baptist or Methodist or Church of Christ and they could have a very good idea of what that congregation teaches and promotes. And that is no longer the case. Churches of Christ, specifically, have splintered into so many varying and conflicting doctrines over the last few years that a simple name on the building is now meaningless. You have Churches of Christ now which have instrumental music, and you have Churches of Christ now which have women preachers and contemporary and traditional services and carnivals and financial peace seminars and so on, this has become so frequent that it's often impossible to differentiate between churches of Christ from a Baptist church or from an Episcopal church. So what matters in finding the right church uh, is not merely the name on the building but instead is what goes on inside that building, what is taught and what is practiced and what is upheld. If what is practiced matches up with the first century church, then it is biblical. And if a church embraces modern-day innovations, it is not biblical, and nor is it the right church that Jesus established in Scripture uh, for us to follow today. And, Stevie, I hope that provides at least some guidance and suggestions for the uh, person who submitted that question. A very great answer, as always. We certainly appreciate your efforts in answering our question for this evening. Appreciate it. Thank you, Stevie. It's a pleasure. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Oh, we 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show for this evening. I want to thank you all for tuning into this broadcast. We certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio as well as on social media. We also want to thank our co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, for that fine lesson in radical discipleship. Great. He always does a great, outstanding job here on this broadcast. I always look forward to hearing him on the show, as well as my other co-hosts who are doing an excellent job on this broadcast, and we certainly appreciate their efforts from week to week. Also, I want to thank my co-host, Tim Bench, for answering that question. That was a very tough question regarding the churches, just so many churches in the world, and there are some distinctions that can be made based on the Word of God, so we just need my co-host, Tim Bench, for bringing that to our attention on this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just so thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast. And it is our prayer that the lessons that were given on this broadcast, this radio show, have been beneficial to your spiritual lives. And your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in this radio show, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your co-host, Steve, Stevie Ray Butler. I hadn't said that in a long time. Stevie R. Butler. <laughs> and I want to say on behalf of all my co-hosts on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. And if you miss me from singing, singing. and you can't find me nowhere, nowhere. come on up to glory. glory, I'll be singing the faith.
God You can't, you can't find me nowhere Come on up to glory I'll be praising up there You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.